Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. Are you ready for the word? Are you ready? I want to read two different scriptures. The first one from the book of Isaiah, chapter 58. We read this last week. I want to read it again, but I just want to read a portion of it. I want to start with verse 6. I'm actually going to read this one from the message translation. Isaiah 58, beginning with verse 6. In the beginning of the chapter, God gives us some correction when it comes to fasting, some things that he wants to put into order, some things that have to take place in the body of Christ. And then in verse six, he begins to tell us, these are the things that I desire, this is what I want. This is the kind of fast day that I'm after, to break the chains of injustice, to get rid of exploitation in the marketplace, the workplace, free from oppression, to cancel debts, What I'm interested in is seeing you do this, sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless and the poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. Do this and the lights will turn on. Come on. And your lives will turn around at once, and your righteousness will pave your way. The God of glory will secure your passage. And when you pray, God will answer. You'll call out for help, and I'll say, here I am. Come on. To have that moment where you call out. And what's really interesting is, the order in which he says things at the end of these verses we just read. He's saying, I'll secure your way. I'll make your path clear. But then in just a couple words later, but you're still going to cry out for help. So in other words, some things are still going to go wrong along this path. You could be dead smack in the middle of the will of God and understand we're in this world but not of this world, so things are going to go wrong, and you're going to call out for help, but I am right there with you, and when you cry out, my heart cry back to you is this, here I am. Come on, somebody. Now I want to read from you the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to read from the NLT, and it says this, Jesus is teaching And he gets to his teaching, he's talking about final judgment here. And it says this, but when the Son of Man, beginning with verse 31, Matthew 25, 31, but when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all of the angels with him, then he will sit down on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people just as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand, and he will place the goats at his left hand. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. It, for I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous ones, take note, the righteous ones will reply, God, but when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? 
or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? We're confused. We didn't, we didn't think we did any of these things into which the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing this to me. Mm. Then the king will turn to those on his left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't even feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. And to which again they replied, with the same reply as those that were righteous, they say this, but Lord, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he answers the exact same way. I tell you the truth. When you refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. But they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go and inherit eternal life. Wow. Man, right now, going through all of your minds, it's like, ooh, <laughs> Jesus, I repent. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. Been ignoring a few folks. <laughs> you read something like that, and it's just, man, it, it just, it could hit you. It could hit you hard. Now, there's a few interesting things about these scriptures. And, and there's this common refrain in Matthew 25, and to both groups, uh, left, right, goat, sheep, uh, this common phrase, when did we see you? But both righteous, unrighteous have this question that they're asking God, but we don't remember seeing you. We, we didn't see you in any of those things that you are about to, that you just mentioned, all of these things, the, the imprisoned, the sick, the cold, the shivering, all of these things, hungry, poor, we didn't see you. This kind of semi-confusion. And yet there's two uh, things that are make, mark these two groups completely different. One is serving, and the other is ignoring. One is serving the poor and helping the ill-clad and helping those in prison and visiting those. And the other one is just, no, they've decided and we're just ignoring all of these things. And yet they still have the question, but we didn't see you, Jesus, which begs us to the question that we have this morning that I have for all of us, when's the last time you've seen Jesus? When do you see Jesus? Think about it for a moment. Not just when do you see Jesus, but where do you see Jesus? Where do you see his hand at work in your life? Where do you see his hand at work in your family, in your neighborhood, in your church? When do you see him? Do you see him in the beauty of creation? Do you catch his presence as the sun rises and the colors fill the sky and light pierces through the darkness? When's the last time you've seen Jesus? Um, not too long ago, I had to go to the eye doctor. And I learned real quick that the eye doctor also separates the sheep and the goats. 
the eye doctor will quickly put you into two different categories. There's those that they call nearsighted and those that they call farsighted. And you can see things really good up close, but you can't see things far away. Or you can see things far away, but you can't see things really uh, uh, good up close. And they'll really quickly put you into this category to try to figure out how to correct your vision and give you the right lens. And there's these things called bifocals. So they could focus things close and far away. And now I've learned there's even this thing called trifocals that Mr. Carl O'Dell informed me on. How old do you have to be to need trifocals, Carl? Oh, burn. That's wisdom sitting right there. I love Carl. He's telling me about this trifocal. And he's like, man, seeing, on one thing, I can see things far away. And then there's another lens that helps me see things intermediately. And then there's another lens that helps me see things up close. And I've got to focus my attention through these lenses. And I'm like, man, the, the, the eye doctor just had a day with you. Like pull out all the stops for Carl. And, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, but isn't this the church? Isn't this me? Isn't this you? Don't we have a tendency to see Jesus sometimes just up close? Sometimes it's really easy to see. This is what I would call seeing Jesus up close. We gathered into this room on Sunday morning, and someone led us in worship, and praise was going to the Father. Man, that's Jesus up close. It's, it's that sunrise, and it's the beauty of creation. It's, it's seeing the mountains. The other day, this hawk landed on our fence, and we just saw, and he, just, he was just watching. And we're like, oh, the beauty of creation and everything you've done. And that's seeing God up close. But thinks for some of us, sometimes we have a problem seeing God far away. And what I mean by that is this. Do we see Jesus in the face of the addict? Do we see Jesus in the face of of the poor and the hurting? Do we see Jesus not just at the weddings, but do we see Jesus at the funerals? Do we see Jesus in everything and in all things? Or maybe we need a little bit of corrective vision going on. When did we see you? When did we see you? Now, I don't know about you, but I can't wait to hear those words from Jesus. Because remember, Matthew 25, this is, this is eternal judgment. I want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. To know that, hey, yeah, live this life, and, and my father says these words to you, just well done, good and faithful servant. But that's kind of a little bit of the problem I have, too. Well, I long for these words. It's also the struggle and the tension of my soul because I always thought, well, God, why do you use these words, good and faithful servant? Why don't you say just good and faithful son or good and faithful daughter? And, and, and he doesn't. He uses this word servant. And, and so there's this internal struggle with me of just like sonship and servanthood. And, and, and if I'm not careful, I could just kind of wrap all of my identity around this servanthood thing because here's the thing about a servant. A servant does something, but a son is something. And so a son is a son no matter what. A daughter is a daughter no matter what. You are my son, you are my daughter, in whom I'm well pleased. But this idea of well done, good and faithful servant means I, I did something. There, there was something that I, I moved in, and so there's this struggle of doing and being Jesus tells the story of older brothers and younger brothers and this doing and this being and this near and this far, and they both suffer the same problem. 
And I suffer it too, and you do too, whether you recognize it or not, this struggle. And part of the struggle for some of us, not all of us, but for some of us, is a recognition that he loves you. That you are accepted just as you are. See, you can't be a good enough servant. You can't do anything to earn his love, but man, we sure try, don't we? We sure try to put on the good Christian look. We try to do these things, because after all, like, if I do good, then I'm accepted. But if I don't do good, then God, you must be displeased with me. Just me? Anybody? You know, I have those Sundays where like, God, man, nailed it today. That was pretty good. Good sermon. I feel pretty good. I feel more loved. And then there's those Sundays where, man, God, I just, I think I missed it. I didn't communicate the way I wanted to communicate. I wasn't on point. God, I'm sorry. I just kind of feel like I failed. You don't love me as much. Am I alone on that? Have you ever felt that? Because that's the story that the younger brother says. See, I've messed up. I've done something wrong. See, see my doing, my servanthood, I, I, I've done something wrong. And so I'll tell myself this story that on my way home, I'm no longer worthy to be called a son. I'll just be a servant. And some of us have told us ourselves that story for so long. But pastor, you don't know what I did. I'm just a servant. I, no, no, no. You are a son and a daughter first and the father is running down the road right now for some of you saying my son my daughter I don't I don't I know all those things that you've been doing out there I don't I love why do I love you because you're mine because you're mine and so we've got to be able to have vision that sees Jesus not close up but we've got to see a vision that sees Jesus in the far away while he was still afar off come on well, while that homeless guy standing on that street corner begging for some change, Jesus is right there. Because what you've done to the least of these, you've done to me. Jesus loves that man, that woman, that addict, that prostitute, that person that's cussing you out in line right now. There's some Jesus in there. They might not even know it, but Jesus knows it. This week, I had this thing happened where just some anger was rising up. We had an issue, and I've, I've kind of been pulling double duty, and we had an issue at the building, and I'll give you all an update on that at the end, too. I forgot, but uh, a fire alarm company, and then they sold us some stuff, and they sold us some things, and then they didn't install it, and like it's become this whole nightmare with uh, just, you know, it's construction. It, it, it's, it's par for the course, but it's construction. And, and this dude from the company shows up, and he's like, hey, I just wanted to see where you guys were at. And it just was like, I wanted to light this dude up. See where we're at. Bro, you sold us this junk, and you ain't even helping. Like, like, but, and, and I didn't do it, but my words were firm. I literally was like, why are you here? And this dude's just like, I'm just a salesman, you know? And I'm like, I'm, I'm just, I feel it all on the inside. And, and I didn't blow up, but I still didn't handle it right. And later on, I'm having this internal struggle because I'm, I'm struggling with this. And I'm like, God, 
but why did I feel this way? Because I, I wanted to just, I just wanted to lay into him. I, and there's this, there's this anger that's in me. Why is this anger in me? And, and why did I not do it? And then there was a part of me that says, well, the only reason why I didn't do it is because I'm the pastor. <laughs> if I wasn't the pastor, then I could cuss him out. <laughs> and then I felt bad because I'm like, God, but that's not who I want to be. I don't want to be the person who is just dependent upon my title. I, I want to not cuss them out because I, I, I have you living inside of me, and I'm not trying to be a good person. It's because of your spirit, and so then I'm like, there's this struggle of being and doing. Am I alone on that one? No one else in here? Just come on, somebody. And, and I'm thinking about this, and, and I literally said these words, God if you could just fix me already. I'm 43. I've been in this for a while now, God. I mean, 14 years I've been the pastor. I'm supposed to lead people. I'm still, like, really broken. And if you could just fix me. And then I opened up to this, guys, and I read this psalm. And I just want to read it. I don't think it's going to be on the screen. I just want to hear Psalms 25, 21. I hear the words of David, and David says this. God, use all of your skill to put me together. I want to see your finished product. Oh, man. I'm like, yes. This is, and did you catch what David said? First, David said, listen, I'm so messed up that I need the God of all creation to use all of your skills to put me back together. I am so broken that God, the God who can speak a word and call, I need you to use all of your skills to fix me. Why? Because I want to see the finished product. I want to see what it is, what you've intended and what you've created me from, the, even the, from the creation of the world, that this is who I'm called to be in you because of you, in you and through you. Do we live and breathe and move and have our very being? And God, I want to see the finished product. But there's this tension of being and doing. And if I'm not careful, what happens is it turns into performance-based relationship. Where God, the better I perform, the more you love me. The worse I perform, the more displeased you are with me. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And this struggle affects everything. And what's interesting is you would think this would be the easiest thing in the world to just be. To just be a son. To just be a daughter. To just be loved. Because you didn't have anything to do with it. You didn't have a choice. You just were. It's a struggle to be. And, and I gotta tell you guys, a couple of my favorite verses, chapters in the scripture is I love Genesis 1 and 2, and I love Revelations 21, 22. These are like my favorite because you get this picture of just life without sin. You get this picture of, oh, this is how you intended it to be, and it was good. And then all of it's broken. And now, oh, it's coming back to how it was meant to be from the very beginning. And I find myself, these four, these four chapters, I find myself dwelling on them more than anything. And, I, and just, God, give me this sense. Under, let me understand. I want to see the finished product. 
And this week I was thinking about this moment where God has created Adam and, and everything's perfect and sin hasn't entered. And it says that they walked in the cool of the day. And, 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 and I just thought, what did God and Adam talk about? What did the conversation go, that first walk? I mean, what, what do you talk when you're kind of meeting some? And, and just, I just imagine, this is my mind, and God just saying, hey, uh, hey Adam, how, how's it going? What'd you do today? Nothing. You created me. And then Adam's saying, what did you do? I created you. It's a good day. And they're just walking, and there's like all these animals, and like, oh my gosh, look at that, look at that. There's sheep, and they, and, and, but they're not named yet. And so God says, oh, I'm interested. What are you going to call it? And to which Adam replies, I don't know. It's my day off. Some of y'all get that later. But there's this, just this conversation of Adam's realization of, I'm just being. He hasn't done anything yet. And there's this, in my mind, there's this look of the father as he walks with his son. And he's just like, yeah, I love him. I know everything that's about to go wrong. And I love him. I know that even creating him, that my son is going to step out. He's going to die on this cross, and I love him. Why? Because I made him. Sons, daughters, you're loved. You're broken, but you're loved. You're damaged. You're damaged goods. Carl, you're damaged goods. You had to get trifocals. <laughs> you're damaged, but you're desired. He loves you. He loves you. All of our brokenness, sons, daughters, being, the Jesus that's near, the Jesus that's far, recognizing him in the good times and the bad, When's the last time you've seen him? To be a people that, oh, no, no, there he goes. There he goes. Right there. To live from a place of being where our stewardship is an outworking of our sonship. Don't get that order mistaken. Do not get that order mistaken. Because the only way you're going to hear well done, good and faithful steward is if your stewardship is from a place of sonship. Because if you just go out and try to be the steward without being the son, well, what ends up is you end up being the older brother, close to the party but never entering in, hearing the music but never quite worshiping, the form of godliness but denying its power. Scriptures, a lot of these guys are called Pharisees and Sadducees who look the part, to play the part, but who are far from God. And I can imagine this moment separating the sheep and the goats, and the goats look really good. Because you could just imagine being one of those, oh, yeah, yeah, no, we've done all these amazing things. Yeah, surely, oh, oh look at the sheep over there. No, <laughs> there's no way they're, they're, they're getting a prize. And to which, man... 
They're in for a surprise. Back to Isaiah 58. Keep all that in your mind. Isaiah 58 starts, this trumpet blast. There's this correction that the church needs, that we need. And God is very clear with the scriptures that we just read. This is the fast that I've chosen. This is is what I want. This is what I desire. And I I just want to read it one more time because I want you to hear the words of Jesus saying, this is what my heart wants. I want you to do this. I want you to break the chains of injustice. I want you to get rid of exploitation in the workplace. Free the oppressed. Cancel debts. Come on, share your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless and the poor into your homes, putting on some clothes, those that are cold and shivering, uh, being available to your own families. This is what God desires. This is the fast that he's chosen. This is the worship that he's chosen. This is the life that he's chosen that he desires for his children. Now, I find this to be very interesting because I think to myself, listen, if I was God and I was getting ready to give my people a list of how they could please me, it would be all about me. Come on. If my wife came up to me right now and said, you know, hey, this, this, how, what, what could I do? What could I do? How could I be a better? Girl, I got a list for you. I need you to cook my favorite meal every night. Grass is getting heavy in the summer times. I need you to knock out that grass. I don't like paying this mortgage, girl. You just knock out that mortgage. I have this whole list, and the whole list would be about me. But look at what Jesus' list is about. Jesus' whole list about how we could do what is good and pleasing to him is about how we treat other people. His whole list is, is, is about putting me into right relationship with others, the cold and the hurting and the poor and the broken and the imprisoned. This whole list of Jesus, the very nature of it is communal. This is, this is what I desire, the, the God of love and the, this trinity who has this shared love, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all coming together saying, like, you can't separate us. This love that we have, it's, it's shared, and this is how you're to live too, like your relationship with me and your relationship with others. And guys, listen, listen, I, I know it's a stretch, but it's almost like, it's almost like God is saying that our relationship with him is directly connected to our relationship with others. I know that's a a brand new thought. That how we treat others is how we're treating Jesus. If I was hungry and you gave me something to drink, I was cold, you gave me a jacket. it's, It's almost like this entire list, being available to your family, inviting people into your home, sharing a meal. Wait, hold on. I thought this was the fast that you've chosen, and now you're telling me to eat with other people. I thought fasting was all about, like, not eating stuff. Anybody else? Anybody else? Like, hey, we're going to go fast. Okay, what are you not eating? Like, it's interesting, the fast that Jesus chose doesn't talk anything about not eating food. He doesn't actually measure. As a matter of fact, he tells you to go eat with someone. But specifically, the someone that he tells you to eat with is the hungry. This is the fast that I've chosen, which is incredibly frustrating. Because it's so easy. The list that God gives us is incredibly easy. Like, okay, somebody's hungry. 
something to eat, someone's cold, getting them a jab. But it leads to a million questions because we act like we understand what that means. Okay, God, so as your son who's trying to be a good servant, uh, trying to be a good steward of everything, like feeding the hungry. So what does that mean? Does, do I buy lunch for everybody every day? Do, do I, do I every, everybody, do I come along, do, uh, do we, eat, we feed them just lunch? Or is it breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Some people eat more than others. My wife eats like seven meals a day. And I'm not saying it. Girl, tell them the truth. The girl, I mean, she's just, I don't know. I, I don't know where she puts it all. She says, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. 30 minutes later, I'm hungry. She's always hungry, God. Do I got to feed her every time? Can she, yes? <laughs> Come on. There's a lot of questions. How do we actually do this? How, it, it's frustrating. This is the fast that you've chosen. Being available to your family. I've got some family members I don't want to be available to. And so do you. You ain't inviting everybody in the family over for Christmas dinner. Come on, some of y'all know right now who I'm talking to. The picture just came into your mind. Be it available. At a distance. It's frustrating. God, this is the fast that you've chosen. Because here's the reality. It's way easier to just skip a meal than to have a meal with someone I've been ignoring. Oh, amen, we could just go home. It's way easier for me, like, Pastor, you know, it's, I, I've, just, I've been fasting. And like, yeah, well, who'd you have lunch with that you've been ignoring? No, no, that's not how it works, Pastor. According to the scriptures, it is. See, it's way easier to do things that just revolve around us. I haven't done all of these things. Yeah, what about the guy that you've been ignoring for the last six years, that every time their, 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 their picture comes in front of you, you see them at Walmart, you cross to the other aisle really quickly. Oh, it just got real. It's way easier. It's way easier for me as a father to be like, hey, I'm just going to work. I'm working really hard. I'm working 50. I'm working 60. I'm working 70 hours a week. I'm providing for my family. I'm trying to help my kids. I'm trying to give my kids the things that I didn't have. I'm trying to be a good father. It's way easier for me to, to do all of this work sometimes than it is to just sit and be with my daughter. Just be available to her. The other day, I was in the middle of work. But it was past work time. It was like 7 o'clock at night, and I shouldn't have been working. And my daughter came up, and she was just, hey, Dad, do you want to watch this movie with me? And I did not want to watch it. But I just read Isaiah 58. Come on, girl, let's go watch the Flintstones. We watched some Flintstones. <laughs> and we had a good time. What are you fasting, Pastor? I'm fasting my illusions of how I am important I am to you. See, I have these illusions of, oh, I'm, well, I'm the pastor and I have to get this work done. And I'm fasting that to the realization of how important I am to my daughter. You could leave this place and get another pastor in five minutes, not my daughter. This is the fast that I've chosen for you to be available to your family. So when your daughter comes up to you and says, Dad, let's play catch, you say, let's go. Because work's over right now. 
Let's walk in the garden in the cool of the day. Why? Because you are mine. And even though I'm doing all these things to provide, no, 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 this is, this is the fast that you've chosen. This is the life that you've chosen. This is the worship that you've chosen. And God, help me to remember Isaiah 58. When I get consumed with myself, consumed with my importance, my delusions. Isaiah 58 has this correction. I, Matthew 25 has this separation. And here's the thing. We've got to get the correction right before we end up at the separation. Because like, eternal judgment is eternal. We need to get it right now. The correction is there. He's given us a whole book full of all of these things. There's all of these signs. There's all of these prophecies, guys. And the correction is God's speaking specifically in Isaiah 58 to two, two believers Two people that are the children of Israel who are following Yahweh, who are following uh, God. They say, listen, all, all of these things, here, and they're doing all of the things. They're, they're, they're following the law. They're, they're praying. They're skipping meals. They stand in the street corners. Uh, they're filled with sackcloth and ashes. And a lot of them, they're following the letter of the law. And, and don't get me wrong. Those things are appropriate. We skip meals. We fast. We pray, we go into the closet, we seek the Lord, all of these things. But here's the thing. Here's what Jesus is saying in Isaiah 58. Listen, but if you don't understand your sonship, all of those things will just be you trying to be a human doing and you'll miss the heart of it. If you don't have the heart of it, you'll be just confused because you'll never see me. You'll stand in the street corners and you'll say loud prayers where everyone can hear you. You've already got your reward. But when you pray, when you fast, when you skip a meal, when you do these things, recognize all of this is from a place of you're not gaining more of my love. You're just coming into a place of realization of more of who you are. And that he would pour out his presence on us. As a matter of fact, you can't get to the heart of Jesus apart from right relationship with humanity. Let me say that one more time. You can't get to the heart of Jesus without right relationship with humanity, your brothers and your sisters. Jesus takes it so far to say it this in Matthew chapter 5. If you're at the temple, if you're at the place and you're about to offer a sacrifice at the altar, stop. Someone's coming to your mind that you know you need forgiveness from or need to forgive, leave your sacrifice there, go get that forgiveness, and then come back and offer your sacrifice. It's almost like our relationship with others is connected to our relationship with Jesus. But when did we see you? But when did we see you? Surely, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. If everyone could stand with me, because there's another thing that I noticed about Isaiah 58. I noticed about Matthew 25 versus the list that Jesus gives us and all of the connections it has between us and other people. But then there's the reality that everything that God asks us to do, sharing these meals, helping the hungry and the hurting, visiting the sick, the imprisoned, all of these things, we already possess on some level. 
To share a meal is to have a meal to share. To give a jacket is to already have a jacket. And, and what do I mean by that? I mean by that this. God has already given you everything you need to accomplish what he's called you to do. Some of y'all have heard that a whole lot. I've heard it a whole lot. I got to tell you the truth. I don't know if I've always believed it. I don't know if I've always believed it because I've always had this thing in my soul. that, Well, God, if I had this, then I could do that. Well, God, one day, one day we'll be able to do that, just not today. Well, one day I'll, I'll be able to share some of this food. One day I'll be able to help these poor. One day, one day. And the reality is one day never comes. One day is today. One day is this moment where God says, listen, when you look out, are you seeing me in the faces of humanity? Because Listen, I put that person on your heart for a reason. I put you in this place. Jody said it even uh, during worship. Listen, God, God, God's put you in this place, in this time, in this season for a reason. There's nothing by mistake. And he's giving you everything you need. One day when, one day is today. The kingdom of God is here and among us, and it's now. Don't wake up to have missed it because we serve a God who's man he's in the he's in the sunrise and the sunsets the weddings and the funerals the good times the bad the celebrations the disappointments the sun that's far off down the road and the sun that's just a few feet out the tent that's never entered in and the call is the same. You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these, you did for me. It leads us to the final question of today. Where do we find ourselves? Do we find ourselves serving or ignoring? If you find yourself ignoring the poor, Ignoring the cold, ignoring your family. The call is simple. Repent. Repent. Come home. The other question is if you find yourself serving and you're doing these things and you're, the question is where are you doing them from? Are you doing them from a place of trying to earn your salvation like that older brother who works really hard but doesn't know the heart of the Father? trying to do all of the right things but you're really just frustrated or are you serving from a place that recognizes you're loved you are his son you are his daughter from a place that recognizes the Jesus that's close the Jesus that's far the Jesus that has given us everything that we need right now. Bow your head with me. Close your eyes. Open our eyes, Lord. May we have eyes to see. May we have ears to hear. Lord, because your word says when we get this, 
And when we get to do this, <laughs> oh, the light, the light will break through the darkness. It will come in like the morning sun. Our lives will be turned around. Oh, the glory of the Lord will be our rear guard. He will fill our lives with life and joy and peace and hope and forgiveness. And we can sit down and have a meal in the very presence of our enemies. And we can sit down and have a meal with enemies that are no longer enemies. And with sons and daughters and brothers and sisters who we no longer ignore, but we invite into the house. Lord, may this church be a church that invites the hungry, because that's you. May this church be a church that invites the cold, because your face is found, and your fingerprint is all over those that are walking down roads far away. May we see them, and may we run up to them, and may we be your hands and feet that clothe them with honor and dignity and love and respect that they deserve because they are your sons and your daughters. And Lord, we repent for treating them like anything less. And if you're in the room today, I want to let you know that you are not just an addict. You are not just a failure. You are not this disappointment to your parents. You are not a loser. All of those labels that you've taken on, you are a son and a daughter of the king of all kings. And he has set you apart from the womb before you even had a chance to mess it up. He knew you and created you with a purpose and he's calling you home. That's you and you're in the room. I'm here to tell you he is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you're searching for it, you're searching for life, you came to the right place. You find a place where we're pointing you to Jesus. And he wants to fill your heart right now. If that's you and you're in the room, I ask you, put your hand real high in the air and leave it there where I can see it. I just want to lead you in a simple prayer of salvation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I ask everyone to repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I surrender. All that I have is yours. I am yours. You are mine. I repent. Come and fill my heart. Fill my mind. May my soul awaken to you, O oh Lord. I believe help my unbelief. Amen. Amen, guys. Give it up. We had two people in the house this morning. Come on. And lightness came in like a flood, and the angels rejoiced, and heaven got populated. Two more people for the kingdom. Come on. For Jesus. For Jesus. God, you are so good. God, you are so glorious.
Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.